what up it's your main man brando it's so good love you guys so much so good to see you all no <laughs> cut cut no Start seriously over. hey guys welcome uh welcome to the oasis podcast it's good to have you guys listen to us for another week i'm ben Woo. i got my friends here to my right brennan what to up my, and then to my left jana just so you guys get can kind of get a mental picture of where we yeah. sit at a round table yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> right and left doesn't matter at a round table that's why i said you know some oh, people yeah. actually like watching that's, podcasts dude, better i do that sometimes yeah some podcasts i don't mind it mm-hmm. someone texted me once they're like you ever gonna record it i'd rather watch it than we should put a camera right <laughs> up there it would be the worst thing to watch you just see us in the background gesturing to each other <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna talk next <laughs> it's yeah, yeah it's yeah. like not that exciting like we're not doing anything that's true you know yeah. we're just sitting here just i think it's too we do too much pre-work for it to be recorded to mm-hmm. have it be like yeah whatever yeah. we're not smart Free. enough to just come in here and shoot the breeze <laughs> on especially with what we're talking about today yeah <laughs> sanctification <laughs> we will define we'll do all things but before we get there guys i have a really really important question oh you got some i i wanted to recant that i do think we're smart enough i don't think we're always organized enough <laughs> yeah it would be too it would chaotic, be chaotic. Brennan, yeah. speak for yourself no you could do it i believe in you <laughs> I, all right go ahead at, now least, ask, at least someone does ask your question okay we were born. not prepped on this. I know. <laughs> on purpose. Oh, boy. Is a hot dog a sandwich? What? Ooh. This guy. Hmm. I don't like these questions. I know you don't. This one right up next Thanks. to is yeah. water wet. It's like, <laughs> stop trying to overthink yes hmm. and hmm. hot dog no. I think no, but I think I could see where you would say it was a subcategory. Is a sub like a, a sub? No, 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 no. Like oh, a, oh. like if if sandwich is a category, a subcategory underneath that would be hot dog. I could see where you could get there, but so I say no. I think it's a diff- I think it's a standalone. All right, you probably have an opinion. Let's hear. It. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> I think it's how you define what a sandwich is. Everything comes down yeah. to semantics, well, yeah, and course. that's actually the reason why I asked the question. <laughs> because the entire podcast that we're going to do right now, so much of it is how you define the words that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to try to do a good job mm-hmm. at defining mm-hmm. things and being clear. But we're talking about sanctification, and I'm excited. And some people, you might leave this podcast more confused than you started with. Hundred percent. That's, that's a very real thing. Maybe go back, so listen we to it again. <laughs> DM us some questions if you get lost in the weeds, but it does get a little weedy when it comes to this topic, but we wanted to start here. The theme of sanctification slash holiness would be another semi way to refer to it, appears more than 600 times in the Bible. So it's obviously something that's very close to the heart of God, something Mm -hmm. that's important to him. He put it in his word over 600 times. But yet today in our modern churches, pretty much all across America, for sure all across America, but even more so in across Western culture, um, it, it's losing its emphasis in our churches, and our focus has become more on salvation than it has been sanctification. Mm-hmm. And we'll define those two for you and show you in a second here how those two differ. But I want to give you these couple of quotes by Dallas Willard. He's a famous theologian, incredibly smart person. Uh, so he, he said this, For us, Christianity has been reduced to a simple divine pronouncement of forgiveness— so where you are forgiven, and then the bestowal of a ticket to heaven. And in that, much of evangelicalism is what he says, so Western Christianity for the most part, has been rendered powerless to make true Christian disciples. So because we've forgotten and and put aside sanctification, and we focused only on salvation, this idea of a ticket to heaven, we've lost 
Christian discipleship, which makes this a frontline issue in American Christianity. If Christian discipleship is to be effective, the understanding, teaching, and experience of sanctification must be recovered, rediscovered in the major evangelical traditions. And that's all across the spectrum from, we'll give you a bunch of different positions later, Mm -hmm. but from the people who don't value sanctification as highly to who hold it up as, as high as can possibly be. And across all evangelical traditions, it must be rediscovered. Yeah, it needs to be talked about. It needs to be brought up. We need to teach on it. We need to pursue it in every aspect of every denomination. So that's where we come to this podcast today. Why do you think? Why do you think we focus more on? on So that's what what has happened and what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Why? Why is the American Mm -hmm. Church focused more on salvation? Yeah, Jenny, what do you think? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Um. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would say it's easier. Okay. That's what I would Which, say. Yep, keep going. I, yeah, I, I would did, say salvation yeah, is thought. salvation when we, we use it as a very baseline standard, which is what Dallas Willard's kind of saying here. It's that ticket to heaven. It's easy. I can make a one-time decision. Yep. I can raise mm-hmm. my hand. I can come to the altar. I can say a prayer. I can do these things. I can check that box and then I'm in. Sanctification yeah. is not easy. Yep. Sanctification is a process. It's a grind. It's a journey. It's a life pursuit. And that's not something people want to commit to. Yep. Yeah. They'd rather just punch the ticket, get to heaven, avoid hell, yep. than join what Jesus has really called them to in the journey that is becoming the way. It's like childbirth. You know, I always oh. say it like this. <laughs> getting, no. preg- getting pregnant is really easy. Having a baby and parenting is not. <laughs> All right. is that, have you actually used that before? I just came up with it right now. I don't really like it. The other but, example, I mean, the logic makes sense. Because the other example is it's, it's, like, mar- it's like getting married. Like you can, it's easy to go up on the day and say yes. Hmm. But actually being married yeah. and going through the ups and downs of marriage, mm-hmm. I'll just come up all day. Here's what I think. I think you're right on. The reality of what we've done is we followed culture's pursuit of hedonism, of self-indulgent, personal pleasure, selfishness. And yeah. Christianity has become, how do I make this, what you said, easier for me? Yeah. yeah. Really. And so it's when it's comfortable and easy, which is what I think a lot of Christianity, American Christianity for sure, has become, that we are just going to focus on the one-time decision. Mm-hmm. I, Ticket punched. Just mm-hmm. focus on eternity, not know actually mm-hmm. what does God have for me now. Yeah, because yeah. we don't. I mean, this is this is where I was for the longest time. Is we don't really desire to have a relationship with God and pursue Him. We just want the comfortability of what heaven offers. 100%. Yeah. When mm-hmm. when you think about it, heaven is just the presence of God and fulfillment. So you don't really actually want heaven. You Super want something that's not heaven. Yeah. You just want a perfect life, which apart from God, you're not going to find anyway. So. Yep. Okay, this is where I want to bring us back to just kind of where we're going to take the rest of the podcast. First Thessalonians 4 is a beautiful text written by Paul, and it's, I love the way it starts. So I'll just read it for you here, starting in verse 3. It, is, it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Like dot, 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 put, like pause, think about that. When people come to us, one of the most uh, consistent and like... I think it's a good question, but like it just comes constantly to us as college and adult people. Like, what's God's will for my life? Mm-hmm. What does He want me to do? What does He want me to go? I love pointing people here, and it's kind of like a roundabout. They don't really want to know <laughs> this. It's like the answer you didn't want to hear. But God's will, His desire for you, His plan for you is to you for you to be sanctified. That's His general revealed will for all people. So you come to me with that question. I'm starting here. I said God wants you to grow in what it looks like to follow Jesus. He wants you to be sanctified. So then if you were to continue reading, it says that you should avoid sexual immorality, 
that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy, keyword holy and honorable, not in passion like the pagans who do not know God. And that is the matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and we warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Like that, that's that key word, that holy, that sanctification. That's what God is calling you to. So there's where we'll, there's our big box. Like if you're going to take away any scripture from that, I would point probably to this one for the idea of sanctification. Of why we need to pursue it. Why we need to pursue it, as well as like little pizza of of what it is. is. We're going to expand, but so let's, let's take a step back before we dive too deep. Let's define sanctification and salvation and kind of put them on the ends of the scale. You know, like why, why these two differ and what, what it means. Both are connected. Yep. So that's important. Mm -hmm. It's not one or the other. It's both are important to pursue. And I mean, just write, start off by defining salvation. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so salvation is this reality of being saved, one, from something, and then to something else. So you're saved literally from sin, from eternal separation from the Father, but you're also saved into a life that Jesus has called us into, which mm-hmm. is that life of obedience, of holiness, of pursuit of sanctification. Yeah. So then what's, what is sanctification? I don't know. You're taking the class. You tell us. <laughs> You guys are taking the class, right? Yeah, yeah. 27 years ago. <laughs> 27. I yeah. took it last year. <laughs> hey, Jana. All right, Jana, take a stab. What's sanctification? So there's two parts of sanctification. Uh, we see that when we look at Hebrews 2, uh, verse 11. It says, for both he who sanctifies, capital H on he, he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So there's two parts of of he who sanctifies, so God, um, but then also those who are being sanctified. Um, and so in, in that, um, part of what that looks like is that we um, embrace right standing with God through Jesus, um, through the identity he gives us that we see in, what is that, First Peter 2.9, uh, that we're a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession, um, that we embrace that standing with God, the identity he gives us. Um, and then from that, that then we grow in surrender and obedience to him. And we see that in Second Corinthians 7, uh, 1, um, that says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Um, so that's kind of the two-part process mm-hmm. of sanctification. So two Quick. different things, salvation being saved, sanctification recognizing that you are saved and that makes you holy, mm-hmm. but also growing in what it means to live out that holiness, what it means to surrender to God. So in my mind, here's here's my analogy. It's like a chain link kind of thing or like a stepping stone. You know, the two touch, they go hand to hand. They honestly somewhat overlap because Mm -hmm. when you look at salvation and it being, okay, I'm saved from sin, but I'm also saved to something, what you're being saved to Part of that is sanctification. Yep. Yeah. It's that process of recognizing your holiness. Again, you're saved from, but it's stepping into what's next and what it looks like to continue to live in right yeah. relationship and yeah. obedience with God. And a really, really confusing way to say that is I am sanctified and being sanctified. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> Which makes that maybe Which, really confusing, yeah. but that's what it is. It's the two parts of it. So I am sanctified at salvation, mm-hmm. meaning I've been set apart, I've been made holy because of Jesus, but also in that because I'm saved into sanctification of being made holy, continue to pursue that holiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're lost there, um, keep tracking with us. Maybe, <laughs> yep. you'll, maybe you'll catch up here in, in a second. But So we're saying these two work hand in hand, but they're different in what they mean and how we live those out. But there is an order in it, right? 
-hmm. Like one comes before the other. So walk that out with me. How how does that work? Yeah, so you obviously have to experience salvation first. Um, Some people will even use initial sanctification when they're talking about the whole process. So throw in some more words for you. Let's go. But you have to be saved first, so saved from something so that you can step into something when that process of sanctification begins. Okay, so now here, I'll even make it more confusing. Let's reel (laughs) the camera back a little bit more, zoom out a bit. How do you get to that point? Like, how do you get to the point where you're saved, where you can even begin this process of exploring initial or sanctification post that? Yeah, what we believe is another, we're throwing out a lot of theological words and Christianese words. But that's good. I think people need to hear them. No, I think they're really important. Because they hear them all the time, usually out of context with no definition. Well, and anytime you step into a culture, like, Mm -hmm. you need to learn how to speak the language of that culture. super good. And I don't want... And I understand, like, we don't want to speak Christianese where we become irrelevant and people can't mm-hmm. understand what we're talking about. Yep. But as you, you become a part of a church, like, you need to be able to speak and understand the language of the church. Yeah. So that's why I think these words can be important. You don't yeah. have to understand all of them or know all of them, but at least get a little touch. Yeah. Yep. So, no, it's really good. So how we get to the point of salvation, we believe is in something called prevenient grace. It's this moment, and you can't... I can go back in my life and see moments before I gave my life to Jesus where I think I could point to that was the Holy Spirit or God doing mm-hmm. something in my heart trying to draw me closer to him, mm-hmm. trying to draw me into this recognition of who he is and who he ultimately wants me to be in Christ. In John six forty four, this is Jesus. He says, no one can come to him, me, Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws them and then I will raise them up on the last day. So there's an idea of something happens pre-Jesus, pre-salvation, pre-you giving your life over and surrendering of saying of, of repenting and confession. Something happens at the Holy Spirit's movement and work that God does to draw you in. And how that happens is a lot of million different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think every single person who's given their life to Jesus could probably go back into their story and see whether it's a conversation with a pastor, conversation with a parent, whether it's a moment sitting in the shower, whether I, just different mm-hmm. mo- like different stories that I've heard. We would call that a idea of prevenient grace where God in an act of grace and an act of giving us what we don't deserve is trying to draw us towards him. Yeah, and the the venient, the the root of that word comes from this Latin word that means to come, forthcoming, or to issue. So it's an idea of prevenient. So we know pre, like pre-anything is going to be before, but before coming, before that idea of being issued that grace or being issued salvation, there's this forthcoming, this first step of which God takes. Yeah, God at work before we know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So once we go through that, we recognize that there's the beauty, even in prevenient grace, is what we would probably say is your your little bit of ownership that comes from that. Because as God extends prevenient grace, this is a debate of... <laughs> Yes. How often does he extend it? Yeah. Does he extend it to all people at all times that yep. they get to choose, or is it at certain people at certain times? Yep. But regardless of all that, yep. you do take a little bit of ownership where you get to either step into and accept that pre- prevenient grace, you get to accept what he wants to do in your life, or you can reject it. Yep. Like, I believe that's the beauty of free will is like the predestination part of it is that God wants to, he knows, and he wants to extend like eternal life to everyone, Mm -hmm. but yet you have this role in accepting or rejecting that. So, yeah, and so if you were to accept it, so let's keep walking this life train out that is Christian um, living. So you accept it, you've been in prevenient grace, you've experienced salvation, what comes next? Like so I'm, I'm a, salvation. We've you said yes to Jesus. I said yes to Jesus. Life, I'm a death, Christian. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm in on yeah. this Jesus guy. Let's let's do this thing now. What? Uh, yeah, and then you enter. So 
salvation, which we also call initial sanctification, as the Holy Spirit and God are at work, then you enter into this reality of progressive sanctification. So again, we're using that word sanctification. And progressive being a becoming. Progressive Mm -hmm. being a work, a movement, a process that doesn't always necessarily have in the moment and in life and on this earth have end goals. Uh, specifically, but have maybe even what I would say celebration of milestones and benchmarks. Yeah, so you enter into this idea of being becoming holy as God desires for you to be holy, yeah. of progressiveness. Mm-hmm. So Colossians 3.1, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Um, and there's a bunch of verses, you guys can read them if you want to, but this reality we enter into now from salvation into a moment of becoming now who God has ultimately created us to be, of mm-hmm. living out the sonship and daughtership that we have as chil- of his children, of being holy as he desires for us to be holy. Yeah, and I'll jump in just with some of this Ephesians stuff in chapter 4 where Paul is again talking to that church. And in verse 20, he says, That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted and is deceitful in its desires, and to be made new in your attitude of minds, and to put on the new self created in God in true righteousness and, you guessed it, holiness. (laughs) So then he continues, I'll skip a couple verses, but in verse 31, he says, Get rid of all bitterness. Rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice, every form of wrong or hatred or anger, any of those, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And Paul walks them through on what I think is a a beautiful passage of progressive sanctification, where he says, you aren't who you were, you're no longer in your old self, but now you're you're your new self, but you need to live into that. You Mm -hmm. need to take steps. Like in the progressive is the idea of progress. You yeah. need to progress. You need to continue to grow, to grow in maturity and in this sanctification, putting off that which is bad, letting go of that which has held you down, letting go of sin, and living into the kindness, compassion, and forgiveness that he calls you to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah. And I think you can't really get too far in any of Paul's letters without him talking about this. For sure. Oh, yeah. It's everywhere. He's constantly calling always. the people to something more. Always. Deeper. More, because there is always something deeper and so, more. So then you get back to it, yeah. and where we started this, how as the church do we read the scripture and not, and, and close yeah. the book when he's talked about salvation and not see where Paul is always, constantly, Jesus is constantly calling people to something more. Do you want me to actually answer that question? Sure. <laughs> Here's what I think has happened. There are a lot of different ways of how we view our corporate gatherings in the mm-hmm. church. And I think what has happened is we have taken a, a pursuit of allowing Sunday morning to be an attractional model. And in that, what's happened is we desire for people who don't know Jesus to come in, which is an incredible thing. We yeah, want that, right? Cool. But then we've made our entire service about catering to the people who potentially don't know Jesus so they can get to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. But then we mm-hmm. almost don't have an invitation of, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. It's, it's we... It's we come to, to the woman caught in adultery, who really, it was more like, I'm not even going to get into that. Oh, I sh- no, I'm going to. You know what? Whatever. Because <laughs> women were un- incredibly unfairly treated in historical times. What most likely happened in the story when the, the, the Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus' feet is they caught her sleeping with a man who was more, ad- more adulterous than she was. But since he couldn't get charged, they had to charge someone. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to, ultimately, their whole goal and motive in that was to test Jesus. Yeah. They're trying to mm-hmm. trip him up, period, mm-hmm. to go against what their law says. So he brings him to here. What happens it happened in the church? We want that person to come and we'll save them, but then we don't do the phrase and don't push into what Jesus ends the conversation with the woman caught in adultery with, hey, go and sin no more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We stop. Mm-hmm. So we do the saving or yeah, he forgives the 
to the point. Forgiveness. Yeah. Incredible showing grace, showing love, which is huge and important. But then we mm-hmm. don't take that next step of what yeah. Jesus always takes. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've allowed the, again, I don't think an attractional model of Sunday morning corporate gathering is bad, but mm-hmm. I think it has pushed us to not want to push into the challenge yeah. mm-hmm. of, of actually helping people understand what is Jesus really calling mm-hmm. us into and what does he desire mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and here, I'll let you, well, well, I'll give you a peek behind the curtain here. So we're going to have kickoff starting. It's going to be August 29th. And our kickoff is an incredible, incredible God opportunity for us to speak life in the gospel into hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. We will have six to seven hundred, if not more, people at kickoff every single year. Mm -hmm. And throughout the year, we see three, 350, sometimes 250, but that night, we will have hundreds more than we normally would. So we have the opportunity to preach the gospel there in a way Mm -hmm. that we don't in other settings at Oasis. But then here comes the tension. What do you call people to in that moment? Because the people, a lot of them coming there will be Christian or nominally Christian, they'll be Christian by name only. They're not following Jesus, but they tell you they're a Christian or they're a non-Christian and a friend came up and they just came and got a free meal. So you have all this spectrum of people and you want to share the gospel. But then what I plan to do, and this is where the tension comes in, is I want to read through Mark 8 and what Jesus really calls of his disciples when he tells them to lay down their life, be crucified with him, die to themselves. That's the message of the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus loves you. He's forgiven you. But he's called you to something more. And mm-hmm. the scary part of that is, out of those six, 700 people, a lot of people will not yep. like that. Yeah, They don't want that commitment. They don't want to change the way they live. And, they don't yep. want to. Yeah. They'd rather That's have so the college experience. Like if you're a freshman, you show up to Oasis for the first time, your kickoff, you want the happy message, the encouraging message, how God is going to love you. You want Jeremiah 29, 11 over your college experience. <laughs> but I'm going to show up and I'm going to give you Mark 8, die to yourself, pick up your cross. And it's like, that, but that, I feel like that's just where God wants. The, that, I, think, I think it'd be wrong for us to not, on the first night, when we have the greatest majority to share the gospel, but also share what we expect and what God expects of them as Christians. Yeah. So there's the peep behind the curtain of the tension that comes <laughs> in calling people to something more. Okay, now we, we, we got lost in it for a second. But what's <laughs> gonna, we'll bring it back. So we walk through these different steps. We're progressing in our sanctification. We are growing in what it means to fully surrender to God and be obedient to Him. Yeah. What's the end goal? Where are we headed towards? Like, do we just forever, all of our life, run the hamster wheel yep. of trying to get rid of sin, seeing more sin, get rid of sin, seeing more sin? Like, doesn't that sound exhausting? Like, where are we going? I think because the the initial call is what that is, it's actually really beautiful because what's happening is what you're doing is as you continue to pursue the things that God is asking you to pursue your experience because you experience grace in those moments because you experience God's I mean you can call it favor you experience God's love when you continue to surrender more of who you are the initial cost of lay down your life of be holy as I am holy which is the ultimate goal of what Jesus is getting us to Mm -hmm. can seem daunting the experience of pursuing that when we're really following the Father and where he, that is happening is a beautiful experience of, of, again, where I talked about this idea of milestones and benchmarks, which, are, which is what we're celebrating. And I think that having those moments, especially in community, when it's like when I am struggle with hatred for my mom or parents for something in my life, right? Especially when I first became a Christian. Like mm-hmm. I was mad at how I grew up. I was angry. And, like, and then all of a sudden – 
through prayer and through what God was doing in my heart, it's he started to change my heart to actually be for my parents and want to love them and respect them. I get to celebrate with that community. It was hard. Yeah. The process, I didn't want to pursue that right away because mm-hmm. I was so frustrated. But the pursuit of holiness and following Jesus gave me an opportunity to celebrate with people around me. So as I pursued, which is the goal, holy, where Jesus calls us and tells us to be holy because he is holy, again, I think at the beginning and initial process can seem really daunting. But then there's moments that happen that we experience that are really beautiful up until the day we meet Jesus or die. Mm-hmm. And something that we as Westlands like to call is something in that is called entire sanctification. Okay. Is this moment where it is God's desire for our life to be in a place where we have fully surrendered everything we are. Mm-hmm. And we're going to explain different aspects mm-hmm. of what entire sanctification look like. For me, it's this moment where I have chosen because of what the Holy Spirit's done in my life to pursue the things of God holistically physically, emotionally, spiritually, in re- relationally, mm-hmm. where I've decided that, you know what, he is who he says he is. And I've become at this this moment in my life where I've intellectually and spiritually said, Jesus, I am yours. Mm-hmm. I want to be, I am crucified with Christ. Now I'm becoming more like, you know, I'm living for you, where I want to kill the things that I desire that are leading me to death. And I want to pursue your things. Now that looks different than actually mm-hmm. what perfection might be or holiness might be. But yeah. it's that mm-hmm. moment of, we get to the point of full surrender. Yeah. So if you're, if you're note taken, I would title this one entire sanctification, this little chunk we're about to hit. And what's helped me and an example, an analogy of what Ben just said is imagine you're a homeowner. You have a home. Maybe one day Jana and I will be homeowners. <laughs> uh, hopefully sometime soon. We'll see. Uh, yeah. But you're a homeowner and you've been, salvation is opening the door and inviting God in, inviting Jesus in said, hey, I want you to be a part of my life. I respect that. I want I want to follow you, and I want to have this relationship. So as he comes in, he maybe starts to clean some stuff up. He starts to do what he needs to do. And progressive sanctification is, okay, you start to open more rooms of your house to him. So like he might just come in in the living room at first, and he's able to clean that up. But then like he cleans up the kitchen. But you're really going to keep the bedroom shut because like <laughs> that's your area. That's the thing that you want to hold on to. Like you don't need Jesus touching that. But as you grow in that, you continue to open more doors. Mm. Entire sanctification is this idea where you take the deed to the house and you sign off on it and you say, God, this is yours. It's your house. My life, everything I've owned, I've pursued, everything everything that's in there is now yours. Mm. I will follow you. I will let you do whatever you want to do. So it's this, fine, it's this moment of complete surrender where nothing's off limits for God anymore. Whatever he calls you to, yep. you'll do it. Whatever he asks of you, you'll do it. Whatever he want to, he's held back. It's his now, and I, that's just helped me, you know, in the in the home. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I just I like analogies and examples. So it's good. Otherwise, it's good. we'll use some other language here. So when we're still talking about entire sanctification, we hear these words like Christian perfection, or like a, a second grace, or. Like how how do you explain some of these things? Yeah, well, even the idea of entire gives us this gives off the immediate interpretation of complete, perfect holiness and obedience mm-hmm. and outward life mm-hmm. and living. Right. So in Christian perfection, and you can talk about dynamic and sacrifice. I like talking about this idea. It's not perfect in necessarily obedience and what outcome happens and of of hands and feet and and word, but it's in my desire for people and God. I'm I've entirely sanctified. I've experience Christian perfection in perfect love. Yeah. I've desired to perfectly want to love the Father and desire to perfectly want to love people. Mm-hmm. And that is this idea of Christian perfection. It doesn't mean that I always am holy in every aspect of second of life, mm-hmm. but it's I desired it. So then, yeah, <clears throat> he said 
the, the, those, I want to I go a little physics on you. <laughs> so there's these words dynamic and static when it comes to perfection. So static perfection would be that which is God. God is unchanging. He is perfect, holy, all the time, forever, unchanging. Dynamic perfection is what we're seeking after. So in entire sanctification, yes, it's that moment where you give everything to God and you want to be in perfect love with him and with neighbor. Your desires are perfected in what he wants for you. But it's a dynamic thing is that that's not the final moment. Like that is a defining moment, but it's not the final moment, but rather from then God will continue to reveal things in you that he wants you to give over. He's going to continue to increase your knowledge and your love and what it means to perfectly love him. So entire sanctification at 23 and entire sanctification at 65 might look entirely different. Mm -hmm. They probably should look entirely different as over 40 years of your life or however many years God graces you. He's continued to show you more and more of what it looks like to perfectly love him and perfectly love neighbor. Mm. We cool there? Uh, More examples ready to rock and roll? Sure. So here, we'll keep rolling. Entire sanctification, we're we're, we're crushing it. So when it comes to Christian perfection, when it comes to perfect love and desire, when it comes to this indwelling of the Spirit, this second grace, this moment, after that, we would say entire sanctification can be seen in a person's life by them being free of a willful desire to sin. So they're no longer struggling. They're tempta- there's still temptation on the outside, but there's no and longer... I think there's temptation on the inside. Oh, yeah, I can Because temptation, temptation isn't is, sin. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So let, let me rephrase. Yeah. There's still temptation... But our heart and our desire is not for that temptation. It's It's for God alone. And in this here, I want to say this. So to be free from willful sin implies the one of two definitions of sin. There's probably a hundred (laughs) more. But we'll we'll start with this first definition of sin, which would be that you choose to be disobedient. You Mm -hmm. choose something that's not God's heart for you. So that's a definition of sin. There's a second definition of sin, along with, I guess, a hundred others. We talked about it in several podcasts. It a podcast. Ago. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we did. Yeah, yep. yeah. So you can listen to that again if you missed it. A second definition of sin could be perfection. It could be anything that falls short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. This second definition of sin is not what we're talking about when we say free of a willful desire to sin. Yep. So when you're free of the desire to sin, that's your first definition. You're no longer choosing to be disobedient. So in that, I'll have Ben jump over and explain your logical um, <laughs> argument side so here, of this. Yeah, so here, here's – and when he says it, uh, uh, the idea of being able to live out anything that's not short of the glory of God of falling short, I think that is the outcome of what we talk about in my desire to choose perfect love and the mm-hmm. experience of the second grace of entire sanctification. So – and this is a John Wesley thing. This isn't even a me thing. This is just a Wesley thing where he said, if I can have a moment – a, 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 a one simple moment of perfection. Mm-hmm. And that what, what that means is my heart, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, this isn't my choosing, this isn't my power, this isn't my will, it's my choice. It's not to, strength. It's yeah. not my strength, thank <laughs> yeah. you. It's the Holy Spirit within me has given me the ability to, in a moment, experience perfection, both in love for God and people and in physical obedience. Mm. Then why can't I have another moment right after it? Mm-hmm. If I can experience it for a second... Can I not experience for a second second? I think I can. Mm-hmm. If I can experience for a third second, yes. So it's this idea of po- the possibility of perfect love and then the outcome of that being perfect obedience being possible. It's, is it possible for a basketball player to make every single shot that he shoots? 
Yes. Will it happen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So is it possible to experience this idea of Christian perfection, perf- perfect love, but also perfect obedience in a single moment? Yes. Therefore, can it be happened in a single day? I think mm-hmm. so. Has it ever happened? I don't think so. <laughs> Will you do it? I don't know. But I think it's possible. Yeah. I just do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really beautiful mm-hmm. is that it is possible. I don't, and my pursuit isn't that I'd be perfectly perfect in love and obedience. My pursuit is still, I'm just want to become like Jesus. Yeah. I want to surrender the things that are in my life. I want to do what he's asking me to do. Yeah. And if what it looks like is this idea of perfect love and perfect obedience, great. Mm-hmm. But that's not my desire to get to that because then it's just all of a sudden it becomes a pride thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think to go back, like they're running the, the rat race, the hamster wheel, the constant, there's another thing that I'm dealing with. There's another thing. I think this gives us even a greater sense of hope in what God's power is and his desire for us, that there could be a moment, there should be a moment where you feel free of that. You feel free of that internal burden of feeling those desires to sin. So that helps me in my Christian walk in for sure. Otherwise, I got one more example and then we're, we're moving on to mm-hmm. the kind of the second half of entire sanctification. But when it comes to willful sin and when it comes to sin falling short of the glory of God, I have this example of a, a little toddler. So Ben probably gets this hardcore. <laughs> but little toddlers, they spill stuff all the time. Like, it's just, re- dude, don't, like, come on. Like, I don't want to. Those motor skills. Yeah. Like, them yet. Yeah, why do you don't you know where your kid? hand is? Like, <laughs> my, my, my Otis has started to rub his food in his hair. Oh. So he had to get a bath at daycare the other day because he started, oh. he had mac and cheese for lunch and it was everywhere in his hair. Dude, it's like, okay, so imagine this. There's a glass of milk because it's always milk. And I, and I know I say milk kind of weird, but you guys are fine. It's with an E in my mind. <laughs> so there's a glass of milk sitting on the table. Willful desire is a toddler looks at their parent and says, I'm going to knock this milk over and knocks it over. Especially so when they know. They know they it's should. wrong. Yes. They know it's a disobedient and they do it anyway. That's willful desire. In that, the father is upset. The parent is mad. That's what their role is. And they correct and they help lead to that not happen again. So that's willful desire. The other end is that m- glass of milk is still sitting on the table and the toddler's not paying attention. They're singing a song. Their eyes are closed. They're doing whatever. And they wail, they, they fling their arm and they accidentally knock over the milk. In that moment, there could still be some frustration, but a, a healthy, loving parent sees that, recognizes it's an accident, recognizes they didn't mean to do it, and still and doesn't, and doesn't punish them for that. So in that, here now, express it in your desire to follow Christ. Uh, entire sanctification is the first one. Where you don't, where you, you, you abstain from direct disobedience, where you look at the glass of milk and you look at God and you're like, I'm going to do it anyway. It doesn't necessarily mean the second one, where you won't accidentally stumble and knock the glass over. Like that can still happen and it might still happen throughout your whole life because that's just what it means to, to walk through this life on this side of heaven is you might still stumble into those situations. But God as the heavenly father doesn't look at you and he isn't upset or ashamed or, or hurt by the fact that you might have stumbled into that. So that helps me again. If it doesn't help you, totally ignore that part. <laughs> um, why don't we just jump down to? I think we've hit some of this pretty good here. Unless you disagree, do you want to just jump down to the different views? I want to do the new heart. Okay, do that. I think what happens so at this moment where right salvation happens, 
initial sancti- initial sanctification, a lot of other people call it justification. Yeah. Like we've been made right before God, and then we're pursuing the progressive sanctification. Then we have experience of entire sanctification. How that is possible in my mind is this idea of that God gives us actually a new heart. And here's how this, and here's what I mean. We in the Western world we call this regeneration. So where they turn around, we don't talk about it a lot. We, it's probably unnecessary to talk about ever on a Sunday morning. But mm-hmm. this idea of re- regeneration is where God is changing our heart to pursue Him. So He is the initiator, and it happens when the Holy Spirit, which once you give your life to Jesus, you are now empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. He's literally breaking the dominion of sin and shifting the direction of our heart from love of self to love to God and others. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit that happens. And that's mm-hmm. a movement of God where God plays in us pursuing and experiencing entire sanctification. Yeah. And then we have our part of like, hey, we actually have to choose to actually push into that love or I can choose mm-hmm. to reject it. Yeah. It's both and God and us. Yeah. So now this is where we get to our different views, and maybe we'll just popcorn around here at the table. Um, but there are, what is this, seven? Seven I have here on this piece of paper. Yep. Seven different views specifically on entire sanctification. We'll tell you just a brief little bit on all of them, just so you know, and you can, in your mind, be like, oh, that makes sense to me. Uh and then we'll tell you maybe where we sit slash the Wesleyan <laughs> Church sits. So, Ben, you want to start? Pick yeah. one. Yep. So, I'll just start with, and the first three are kind of connected. They're called the short, the middle, and the longer way of sanctification. And so, the shorter way is this idea of the sanctification can happen immediately by us choosing to be consecrated to God and, and choosing to trust and have faith. It's this moment of you can be free from willful sin and original sin. And it's a consecration and faith are inherent where our choices as followers of Jesus. And ultimately the result of what we talked about is pervening in grace. Mm -hmm. It's believers can experience entire sanctification at any time they choose to is the shorter way. And then it makes, it's a distinction between entire sanctification and spiritual maturity. They're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Jana, which one do you want? You want to go next? Sure. So then that was just a shorter way, right? Yeah. Um, So then the middle way believes that entire sanctification, um, comes by seeking until you receive. Um, so essentially it holds to generally the same viewpoints as the shorter way, um, but the big difference is that consecration and faith are not inerrant powers in Christians. Um, so there's grace given in conversion, um, but then more grace must be given throughout time. And so believers can experience entire sanctification when the grace capable of creating sanctification faith is made available. So that puts more work or more um, emphasis on what God does in the process yeah. and usually takes more time. Mm-hmm. So continuing, we've got the longer way, and this is entire sanctification by a long process, longer of growth. <laughs> so it's you can be free from sin and you can be free from will, willful sin and original sin, but it might take an entire life, a long process of consistently dying to self and spiritual development. And in this life, few Christians maybe experience this. Over a long period of time, it's possible, but few Christians experience it because it takes so long, and it's ultimately just a connection of spiritual maturity and that entire entire sanctification and the, process. And these are views of entire sanctification. Yep, these are, so we got to just clarify that. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. All right, Ben, keep going. We so just we get got, to pick one more, I we, guess. Ooh. Kind of. I mean, keep going along the chart. Okay, I'll just keep going. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. fine. The Keswick view. Um, so this is a sanctification, again, from willful sin. Christians can be free from willful sin, but cannot be ultimately liberated or free from original sin. So the first three ways is it's saying it's possible to be free from the, uh, the original, from the moment when, when Adam and Eve sinned, every now person has been ingrained with just basically love for self. 
which is what we call original sin, which needs to be forgiven ultimately, which yeah. creates in us the desire to want to sin and, and basically live for ourselves. So the first three ways say it's possible to live free from willful and original, where Keswick is, is changing it up and saying, okay, you can be free from willful sin, but not be liberated completely from original sin. And willful sin is the exception rather than the norm in the Christian life. And getting heady. <sighs> so then the fifth view is a Lutheran view. Again, a back to entire sanctification um, believing that entire sanctification is a momentary but unsustainable experience. Um, so Christians are gripped by the realization of justification, of salvation, and can do good works untainted by sin or selfishness motivated solely out of love for God or neighbor. Um, but that in any given moment, Christians act out of either the new man or the old man, and the new man acts out of love alone, can't ever be free from the old man. Mm-hmm. So they're... It's possible, but not the like end goal. Yeah, or end, or even consistently. Yeah, mm-hmm. throughout like, life. Yeah, mm-hmm. and here I'll just crush the last two. So sixth is a reformed view, and its in- entire sanctification is a worthy goal, something nice to strive for, mm-hmm. but an impossible dream. Its Christians always fall short of God's law and thought, word, and deed. Everything is tainted by sin natures, and Christians can be, be become better approximate to God's law, but they can't ever meet it. So. It, it, it says essentially that entire sanctification is nice. Like, oh, we wish that <laughs> was possible, yeah. but it's not. And then the last view would be a p- positional view where entire sanctification as a positional righteousness exclusively. So I know that's all fancy language, but here, <laughs> let me try to explain it to you. <clears throat> it's the focus is exclusively on positional holiness. So you are a sinner. You're a sinner to the core. There's minimal imparted sanctification as possible. Like you're not changing from your sinner, but rather in your sin, you just plead the blood of Christ. You just continue to say, well, I'm a sinner, but Jesus paid for it all. So you don't really grow in that sanctification. It's a very, (laughs) it's a view not held um, commonly Mm -hmm. or if at all by major theologians or major Christian denominations. But in this, as we've read over these seven from the shorter way all the way to this positional view, we have moved from the most op- optimistic view of entire sanctification. In one moment, you can choose to be entirely sanctified based on God's grace, but based on your decision, and you can live in that forever, yep. to the most pessimistic view, which is sanctification in general is not possible. We're not going to be able entire to... Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. entire sanctification is not possible. We're not going to be able to live free of sin. So there's the seven. You maybe didn't even want to know the seven, but now you do. Where would we say we, as Wesleyans, as personal people, land on this spectrum? One through three. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it is possible to be free from original sin. I think we'd all probably say it's possible to live a life of free from willful sin. Am I wrong Mm -hmm. for us three? I'm good with that. Potentially, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think, so, and again, I, me saying I think automatically should come with the reality is like, we don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. The idea is, are we progressing to become more like Jesus? That's the goal here. Be holy as Jesus is holy. I'm, I'm just trying to become like Jesus and to do, do, the, do the things he's asking me to do. I probably, I don't float, but I would take a combina- combined view of short and middle is where I'd roll. Yeah. I think that based off what God does in my life and what I've experienced, I've noticed that it's taken a while as I've pursued Jesus to have this moment where I want to be fully committed to him in every aspect of my life, which was God God drawing me and leading me to that moment. And so I think because of entire sanctification being this moment where I can choose to now I want to live for God and not for myself, 
I'm technically living an entire sanctification. Again, this is for me. So that would mean that I think it's possible to be liberated from original sin. And one of my reasonings for that personally is you look at the garden and the way that they experienced life and perfection, perfect relationship with the Father. They didn't have original sin, right? It happened once Mm -hmm. it happened. I think an aspect of the kingdom of God at hand, what Jesus came to introduce and us being empowered by the Holy Spirit is us experiencing what we can, I think we can experience now to an aspect and to a moment what they experienced in the garden. Mm -hmm. So again, I think it's possible. That's right, in between Mm -hmm. the two. We're just going to finish here in this idea of at the end of life, at the end of when Jesus comes back, there's this final term that we will use called glorification. And it's the final and complete um, completion of what would be this sanctification salvation process. And it only happens in the presence of Jesus. So you will only experience glorification either when Jesus comes back or you leave this earth. So it's when absolute human perfection is uh, realized. It's what we were meant to be all along. It's when we are in perfect love, free from sin, free from pain, existing in God's presence. And in that, we will probably still be able to increase in knowledge and understanding and, and we're not probably going to be all-knowing, that's that's reserved for God, but you can continue to grow in those things, but rather you are in perfect love and absolute human perfection, which is just mm-hmm. short so of good. godly perfection. Yeah. So there's a little hope for you. I mean, like, <laughs> if we're going to end the podcast anyway, anywhere, that would probably be the place. So mm-hmm. thanks for tuning in. If you got lost in the weeds, if you got lost in all of the language and terminology, just know this, love God, yeah. love Jesus. Yeah pursue relationship with them and let him continue to do a work in your life and you'll be good to go so thanks for tuning in and we will catch you next time peace Bye. bye